Father, in the name of Jesus, we have come to drink of your fountain. Reveal your truth to us. Let us forever be changed. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Glory to God. Okay, let's go to God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I read from verse 14 to verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I read from verse 14 to verse 16. It says, don't be teamed up. I'm reading from the living Bible. The living Bible. The living Bible is a version of the Bible. It doesn't mean that your Bible is not living. Amen? Amen? Amen. I don't know if I should say this on the pulpit, but maybe I should just go on. They've told me to stay, to go on, to stay focused this morning. All right? Uh, okay. You know, some people believe that the only version of the Bible that is authorized by heaven is King James. Mm. You've not read it before. That's why you're yeah, calm. I've read it before. Serious people. Very serious people. Very serious people. Amen. Amen. Let's just leave it that way. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Don't be teamed with, it is true that there are versions that are infiltrative versions. All right. But you see, I mean, don't be teamed with those who do not love the Lord. For what do the people of God have in common with the people of sin? How can light live with darkness? Verse, 14, verse 15, it says, And what harmony, we explained this in the first part, can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a Christian be a partner, share values, have commonalities with one who doesn't believe? And verse 16, it says, And what union, 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 is talking about intimate experiences. What union can there be between God's temple and idols? For you are God's temple, the home of the living God, and God has said of you, I will live in them, and I will walk among them, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Psalms chapter 44 verse 7, Psalms 44 verse 7 and verse 8. This is the psalm he's speaking. He says, but thou hast saved us from our enemies and hast put them to shame that hated us. Verse 8 says, on the premise of this victory, this is the stature, this is the attitude of the believer who has received, who has experienced victory. It's going to make sense shortly. It says in verse 8, Oh God, we boast all day long. Pardon me, in God. Somebody say, in God. We boast all day long and praise thy name forever. And praise thy name forever. I have titled our conversation this morning as we wrap up the series Unequally Yoked. Don't just stand out. It is time to stand tall. Don't just stand out. It is time to, to stand tall. I'll say that one more time so it sinks in. Don't just stand out. It is time to stand tall. Somebody say, I, I will stand tall. You will know what it means shortly. Somebody say, I will stand tall. Okay, I want you to say one more time till you believe it. I will stand tall. Glory to God. For us believers, the conversation about standing out is no longer up for debate. The moment you said yes to the Lordship of Christ, you became immediately marked. 
Let no man trouble me, Paul says, for I bear upon me the marks of Christ, speaking in context about the sufferings that he has experienced as an apostle and the credibility he has to be one who will be a vessel that God will use to advance his kingdom. It is true of you and I as believers that we've already been called to stand out, out of sin, out of shame, out of chains, out of guilt, out of the past, out of destruction, out of eternal judgments. We have been called out, out of poverty, out of sickness, out of disease. We've been called out. So there is no doubt that we've been called to, to stand out. However, where many struggle with is in the place of standing tall. In the place of standing tall. And I'm trusting the Lord that the word will hit you differently this morning. That the grace it will take not just to... Let me tell you what it means to stand out. Stand out means, let's say there are 1,000 people in this room. Even the room was like, hey. Alright, so let's just leave it that day. Let, assuming there are 1,000 people in this room. All 1,000 people are wearing black. And one person is wearing white. But all of them are seated. Now, the person wearing white easily can be spotted under normal circumstances to be the one standing out. Just because there is something about them that is different from every other person. True or false? But even if everybody is seated, number one, that person is not even standing. Number two, depending on where you are looking out from and what your perspective is, you may not be able to tell that there is someone wearing white. And if the people really standing are those wearing black, you will, you will, you will do evidence-based, statistically-backed publications that you got to that room and you saw 1,000 people who were wearing black. And you have pictures to prove it. Because the only one who was different was seated. And even though he was standing out, we didn't notice because he was not standing tall. And that really is what's going on in our world today. Many professing Christians who are seated amongst that depending on the perspective of who is looking, they can't tell again. We all sound alike. We all watch the same shows. We all go to the same places. We all do the same things the same way. This is not a call to be, to be creepy. No. Standing tall is not being creepy or being, um, being anti-social in a way that you cannot relate with people. It's, it's being so whole in your values that you are known for it. All right. Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, verse 36 to 39. Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. All right. So the king, the great king, arguably the greatest king ever in terms of kings of the earth, had a dream and none of his wise men could interpret that dream. But there was one wise man who by the spirit of God was able to bring interpretation to that dream. So let's look at it from verse 36. It says, this is the dream and we will tell the interpretation thereof to the king. Verse 37, we're going just to 39. This is not about the dream, all right? Thou, O king, art a king of kings, all right? A small k of small k's. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom. So that's how you know a small k. A small k is the one who their kingdom was given to them. The big K is the one who gives kingdoms. Amen. Somebody got that. Has given thee a kingdom, has given you power, is giving you strength, and is giving you glory. 
And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand, and has made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. So Daniel continues. Let's read verse 39. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear the rule over all the earth. And it went on and on and on and on. I'm, I'm trying to picture that large palace, majestic palace. Everything is gold. The cups, gold. The rings, gold. The goblets, gold. The carpet, gold. Everything, gold. Blinking gold. And Daniel is here saying, Thou, O king, king of kings, saying all of these mighty things. And when he finished the interpretation, I can imagine Nebuchadnezzar saying, Daniel, come. Can you start the interpretation again? Daniel said, what do you mean can? You don't make requests. You are king. You have commanded me. I will. So Daniel starts again. He says, thou, O king of kings, are that head of gold. He says, stop there. Don't read on. Just stop there. Don't interpret further. The first interpretation, they've documented it. They'll write it in Bible. Many years later. But for now, stop there. I am the head of gold. Freeze it at that point. So Daniel chapter 3 and verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar tries something. He tries something. So Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold. Not an image with the head of gold. Whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof was six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Can somebody see what is going on here? Can you see what is going on here? You have by revelation that there are multiple kingdoms. And of the multiple kingdoms, yours is even the greatest. You are gold. It says the next one is inferior. The one after that is even more inferior. And you just said, no, I don't want to be the greatest. I want to be the only greatest. I don't want to be the head of gold. I want to be the all of gold. Is anybody seeing it here? So it creates an image. It doesn't reproduce what he saw. He says everything will be gold. This is this is a this is a statement. He's really really making a statement here. Number one, I can afford it. We can make something that is ninety cubits. I don't know if you know the height of CN Tower, which used to be the tallest for many years until you know the guys in Singapore and the guys in Dubai said, "Hold our coffee." All right, but imagine three score cubits. A score is 20, right? So that's 60 cubits. I think that's about 90 feet. If mine... 90 feet, right? In fact, if you, if, you, if you go to what some of the scholars try to say, they're trying to imagine something that is 60 cubits tall and 6 cubits, and they're saying maybe we measured the, the stand with it because they're trying to imagine the balance. Let me just say something. Technology... How do I say this? They told me to stay on focus. Our technology today cannot imagine something this tall, standing straight. But there are technology in those days who could do it. We've experienced technology loss, as great as we think we are. So let's just put it that way. The Great Pyramid, science is still trying to make sense of the architecture of it. How it has stood for so many decades, centuries, or millennia, depending on where you're counting from. So let's come back to this attempt of Nebuchadnezzar. He makes an image of gold trying to immortalize himself. 
saying that there might be a time when I'm not here, but there will always be a time when my influence is here. My head of gold might be taken away temporarily, but in the systems, in the governments that will come after me, I will retain myself. It didn't just make this small image that will sit in some temple where people will bow to. That is low-key, obvious idolatry. I think we are getting into it now. It says that there is a form of idolatry that will not be done in the temples. It will not be done in the worship places. If I invite you as a Christian to go there, you will tell me I can't go there. Because we don't go to shrines. But there is a way we can make it stand tall. And we can instruct you to bow to it. And if you don't follow that instruction, it will come with dire consequences. Can you just fast track or fast forward to verse 8 for me? And let's read something. There, there is a generation that does not bow. No matter how tall these images, no matter how golden these images, no matter how cryptic it is, whether I bring it out from the room, whether I bring it out from the shrine, whether I put it in the grocery store, whether you put it on TV, you put it on the internet, whether I smuggle it into a show, whether I put it in a cartoon, whether it's hiding in an ad on YouTube, there is a generation that will not bow. There is a generation that will not bow. So they brought a report to the king in verse 8. If they can scroll it down to verse 8 for us. If it's not, okay, thank you. It says, wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and they accused this group of people who just don't bow. There is a group of people who just don't bow. They don't just stand out, but they have learned to stand tall. And if you are seeing this scripture and you are thinking about Jew of being somewhere in Israel, you've gotten it all wrong. It says there is a generation of people that will not bow. We reckon ourselves to be individuals who have not just been called out, but we've been called to stand tall. And tall we are, we bow only to one God. It doesn't matter whether it's 90 feet, 120 feet, 1 million feet, whether it's gold, whether it's actual gold, whether it's gold dust. Some have said the, the, the investment of building this kind of thing, maybe they made it of, of ceramic or they made it of wood or they made it of cement and gold plated it. Whether it's plated or it's pure gold, we won't bow. And this is that generation. I said this is that generation that will not bow in the mighty name of Jesus. And I just want to agree with someone under the sound of my voice that you will not bow. You will not bow to that pressure. You will not bow to that pressure. You will not bow to that pressure. Come on, I need stronger faith in the room. You will not bow to that pressure. In the name of Jesus. Whatever pressure of desperation that the enemy is sure that we will reach breaking point. He has stood tall. She has stood tall. They've stayed faithful for so long. This is where they cave in. They will experience disappointment in the mighty name of Jesus. So he tells us there's only one group that does not bow. If you don't belong to this group, hear me. Giving the right, how do they say it in science? STP, standard temperature and pressure, you will bow. Did you hear me? Yeah. Boy, I wish I could just record this and send it to every believer. There is a combination of temperature and pressure that the enemy is sure. You, you say you don't take bribes. What's the largest check you've seen? Really, what's the largest check you've seen? A million dollars? <laughs> Are you kidding here? We can sign you any check. Any check. Any check. What do you mean you don't? Don't say you don't. Just say you've not discovered that you can yet. 
That, that's the language of blending. Oh, you, you've not tried this yet. Oh, we don't do. What do you mean we don't do? You, you've not tried this one yet. Sometimes it's positive pressure. Sometimes it's negative pressure like Saul. Who on the day of, I'm sure it was in a wonderful service. Where he experienced the power of God. He said, send all the witches out. Send all of them out. Send them out. This glory has come to stay. Until the enemy adjusted the thermostat. And brought required temperature and pressure settings. And Saul said, please help me look for one. He said, King, you send them. He said, you look for one. I know, I know you know where they are. Help me look for one. Help me look for one. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm trusting the Lord to really open our ears to hear this. Because the enemy, let me tell you, the enemy really is banking on this temperature and pressure settings. I can get them to bow. Look at them waking up and praying 5 a.m. every day. Who do they think they are? We can adjust the temperature. I begin to get things like, hmm. these daily prayers, sometimes it works and God has brought us into grace and we are no longer under works. We are now under grace. So therefore, you know, the Lord can. Um, this message will stay online. So that the day we tell you we are no longer seeking the peace of God, you will know that the thermostat has been adjusted. And may we not be caught. May we not be caught. <laughs> In the mighty name of Jesus. People do so well for so long, just until they get to the point where they convince themselves, I can't hang on anymore. I can't hang on anymore. I've tried my sanctity. I've preserved my sanctification. I am done. I am done being strong. Except the fact that you've not really been called to be strong. You've been called to stand tall. There is a grace that maintains that posture. There is no spine pain. There is no fatigue. There, there is no muscle acid build up there. You can stand and you can stand for generations. That you pass on that grace to your children. You stood. They will come. They will stand also. That the world will trust that there are people that will bow. I say we don't bow to money. We don't bow. How much do you want to offer me? I can't bow to that. How much alcohol do you want to bring sex? We can't bow to that. We are standing here. We are not standing by our strength. We are standing by his grace. And the enemy begins to check. There must be something. Only to discover that there are certain Jews. Somebody say certain Jews. So just before you get it wrong in your definition of certain Jews. Scripture gives us the definition. Of these certain Jews, if only that all God's children would say yes to the call to stand tall, our world will change. Our world will change. If the number of professing Christians today only will be Christians, our world will change. Our world will change. You know, sometimes I'm I'm, I'm visiting, I'm at a meeting, and powerful move of God's spirits. You know, supposedly a believers meeting. And just at the car park, we've not even gone far. We've not even gone into the world. Just at our own car park. And you just see people being like, we leave that glory stuff in the house, in the house of God. And here, and you're just wondering, right? This is just even basic right of way. In our, I'm talking of church car park. Some people will wind down. They'll first scan you to be sure how church is you. I believe you are wearing a big hat. You know those hats that pick signal. <laughs> they will size you up to know whether to add ma to it or sa to it. Are you okay? Do not add sa. Didn't you see my car? Ma. 
We've not even gone into the world. At our, at our own car park, we're already showing ourselves that we are not changed. Wow. We are not transformed. We just came to shout, sing, and say amen. But we are not really changed. This thing has not passed skin. It's not touched our soul. It's not touched our spirit. But Paul gives us the definition of Jews. Somebody say certain Jews. Somebody say certain Jews. Romans chapter 2 verse 28 and verse 29 gives us the definition of Jews. The real definition in the, in the record of heaven. A Jew is not someone who was... Let me give you the old definition so that we can know what the new definition is. The old definition of a Jew is one, a, a pure Jew. So, there were pure Jews and there were converted Jews. Converted Jews were called proselytes. Pure Jews were proud of being pure Jews just because they, 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 it, it was as though that DNA of our father, Abraham. You need to see the pride when they are referencing Abraham as their father. And Jesus messed those guys up, didn't he? Yeah. He said before Abraham, that was the point they could not take it again. He was saying all sorts, I am this, I am this, I am the bread, I am the gate, I am the this. They are just looking at him. I am this, I am this. When he, when, he got, when he touched Abraham, Abraham was their soft spot. Our father. You say before our father. And Jesus was wondering, Abraham that we discussed when we will call him. <laughs> we were there. I, Jesus, I was there. When we were looking and we elected him by grace, we skipped terror and we arrived at Abraham. We saw him struggling. This is Abraham. Abraham. That, that Sarah said, take Hagar. We, the cloud of heaven was open. We said, no. It was there. He said, Hagar, come unto me. You're now saying, our father. And Jesus is wondering. This is before Abraham. I am. I am. I am. He messed, he messed them up big time. And I believe I'm talking to the generation of people here that will mess up the, 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 old, the old stronghold of religion that has tied many down. And we say, we are not, we are, we are, we are not just here because we bear the name church. There's something we carry. It's the power and the glory of God. You can delete church from our name. You can delete Christian from our tag. But you can't delete what we carry. We carry his glory. We carry his power. And our world we see it. In the name of Jesus. So there's the pure definition. The pure definition is if your mother was Jewish. Not even your father. You know why? Because that Jew thing had to be in your blood. So if a Jewish man married a non-Jewish lady, their children are not pure. But if a non-Jew married a Jewish lady, the children are pure. Then there were the proselytes. Those were the converted Jews. Those who are saying, wow, you guys are just special. There's a covenant that your God has brokered with you. You are just blessed. You just touch things. Just turns to gold. I want to be like you. So you want to be like us? Are you sure you want to be like us? Yes, I want to be like you. Are you sure you want to be like us? Say, start with the Torah. Memorize it. Then you go to the Tanakh. Memorize it. I see people who will memorize and memorize, cram everything. He said, the big one now, the big one. Are you ready for the big one? Say, yes. Now you must be circumcised. Such that Jesus came and the Holy Spirit came. And some were still requiring people to be circumcised. The only issue that Jesus didn't come to make people Jews. He came to bring them into Christ, into a new life entirely. But Paul knew that this Jew concept, it's a metaphor for standing out and for standing tall. 
So he didn't leave them without a new definition in the new covenant. Are we still in church this morning? So Paul is talking here to a core Jewish audience. And he says, for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. He's saying that the real, the entire thing your pride is based upon is in what God is after. This pride that you have when you say, our father Abraham, guess what? Abraham now has many sons. Because if you are Christ, now are ye Abraham's seeds that you may receive the promise of the Spirit. So this your Abraham you've carried on your head, in fact, is more their father than your father. Because they have entered into him by grace. You are trying to struggle by works that never worked. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter. Whose praise is not of men saying, boy, you tied it well, you wore it well, you said it well, you carried it well. He says, but their praise is of God. They may not look the way you want them to look. They might not tie your scarf. They might not even cover their hair. Their makeup might be too fine for you, but boy, do they carry glory. And they are the ones that are praises of God. Am I talking to the right people this morning? It might not sound the way you want them to sound. But he said there is a group of people whose circumcision is of the heart. There's something there that has been cut out. That, that one, it was done by the ultimate surgeon. He used the scalpel, but he didn't need the theater. He was able to take it out. He took out those desires. He took out those wants. He took out those pressures. He took out those, 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 those needs to blend in. Needs to fit in. He cut it out. Needs to be among. He cut it out. And said, you, the only need to be among is to be among with me. We will dwell together. My spirit will commune with you. You will not be lonely. You will always sense my presence. Your decision, your steps might not be popular, but it will always be majority. He said there's a new definition of majority. It's not how many we can count. It is you and me. It is you and me. Am I talking to that church this morning? It is you and me. In that place of work, you don't need, you don't need a lot of them yet. You, you, you and God, you are enough for the office. Did you hear that? You are enough to stand, but it won't be by your strength. So Paul initiates us to this concept. That this circumcision, the one God is after, is not even male and female based now. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither Greek. Neither male nor female, neither bond nor free. All right. In Philippians chapter 3, the Bible is such a beautiful book. In Philippians chapter 3, it now gives us the full architecture of the Jew. Remember where we started from? That the king of the earth, the small k of the earth, will come up with a system that will be subtle enough not to be in a shrine so that you don't feel like you're bowing to another god. It will look like you're just being a good citizen. That's the whole idea. That people who default are not considered as religious devout. They are considered as governmental rebels. Am I still making sense? If there was a new law in town that there is a room somewhere and everybody should go there and bow to what is there, people will fight it. Protests will come up. Even in an empire, 
So to an extent, of course. People will sign petitions and say, we've never bowed to anything in a building. But there is a way that it won't be small in a building, wherever you are. Just under the sound of music, you must bow. You can, you can, you can recreate that temple in your own house. Boy, oh boy. You don't need to go there to bow there. You can host it in your house. You can recreate it. Giving the right sounds and the right influence. Reminds me of a teaching we had a couple of months back. Philippians chapter 3 verse 3. So Paul is saying, remember he told us that you are not a true Jew just because you record Abraham to be your father or because you've been circumcised in the flesh. The concept of the Jew, as far as the new covenant is concerned, is a group of people who will, number one, they will not blend in. Number two, they will not just stand, but they will stand tall. And Paul is saying that in this new covenant, God is still needing men and women like that. Who will still not blend in, even though they are now saved, but they will still not blend in and they will still stand tall for him. So he tells us in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3 that we are the circumcision. Boy, oh boy. Do you know who he was writing here? Writing to here? The church in Philippi. He was writing to people who, who, if you told them you are circumcised, they would say, no, I'm not circumcised. And he's saying, keep quiet. I'm telling you, the, the real place where circumcision counts, you are. So he uses the word we. Somebody say we. Somebody say we. We are the circumcision. If indeed we are the circumcision, there are three things the knife of the spirit will have touched. Can I preach this morning? Can I preach this morning? It says, if indeed we are the circumcision, there are three core places that this knife will have touched. Number one, we worship God in the spirit. Number two, we rejoice in Christ Jesus. Number three, we have no confidence in the flesh. If the knife has touched these three areas, we and the circumcision, and you are that Jew that has the praise of God. You are not the one who God is saying, I have a man there. I have a woman there. Say, what's going on in that city? What's going on in Toronto? What's going on in Mississauga? And God is saying, I have a man there. And the angels are saying, God, are you sure you have men there? He said, I have, I have people there. I have thousands there. Haven't you seen their events? I have people there. And the angels are saying, God, can we do a recount? Do we have the circumcised there? And then heaven scans. How many are worshipping God? How many rejoice in Christ Jesus? How many have no confidence in the flesh? And then when we run, run the scan, God says we need men there. We need women there. We need people there. We need generals there. We need a new army there. I believe I'm talking to that army this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus. So number one place the knife touches. Remember, we've been called not just to stand out, but to stand tall. Number one place the knife touches is the heart. It says these people will worship God in the spirit. These people will worship God in the spirit. What it means is that they've lost their ability to have an idol. They've lost their ability to have an affection for any other thing but God. By the spirit. Worshipping God in the spirit doesn't mean you only sing slow songs. Worshipping God in the spirit means that your life has been given away so much 
that nothing else has your affection or your obsession. Nothing else. Nothing else. No one else. Not the good, not the bad. This old idea of idolatry has to be me going somewhere. And, and even that is becoming more popular these days. People doing outright black devil stuff. Becoming popular again. Well, it says that these ones will worship God in spirit and they have no capacity for idolatry. That is a shift of obsession, a shift of affection because this God in spirit is very jealous. He won't even have you pressing your phone and talking to him. Hello? 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 Someone say, PD, can you turn your page to the next point? Can you off your mic? <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. You know, there was a time when, just because I pay attention and God has given me a great brain to be able to listen a lot, I thought I could do it with my wife. So she'll be talking to me. I'll be like, oh, yes, oh, yes. And sincerely, sincerely, I'm listening. I'm paying attention. Just that I'm also trying to reply to this email, reply to this person, do a lot. And she'll just go. And she'll be like, oh, we are not done. She said, when you are ready, let me know. <laughs> I mean, I'm ready. What do you mean when I'm ready? She said, well, yeah, we, we can't have this conversation together. It's, it, it looks like there's something going on on that phone. So I told her, if what it means for you to know you have 100% of my attention is to take my phone. I said, you can take it. That was the day the knife touched the place. And to the glory of God, she has not had to collect the phone <laughs> many times. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But as, 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 as simple as that is and as funny as it is, God doesn't want to share you with anyone or anything else at any time else. He doesn't want you on Sundays and to miss you on Monday to Saturday. That's idolatry. I know you don't like this sermon, but it is what it is. And the Lord has sent me not just to say it to us in KICC, but to, 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 to the wider body of Christ. He wants to stop sharing you with the world. He wants to stop sharing you with the world. It doesn't matter the name you call it. If you, if you buy your, 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 your idol a nice wrap and jacket and you, and, you, and you give it a pet name and you call it G-O-D, it doesn't mean you are now worshipping God. It is still an idol. The fact that you've put a nice name on it and it is a church, it doesn't change the fact that if it is not God we are worshipping there, it has become an idol. Many people show up on Sundays to places and the last person on their mind is God. So Jesus says, I'm standing at the door of what should be my church and I'm knocking. We didn't even give him spare key. We didn't even use number lock. If the key can't go wrong, go around, at least Jesus, the code, let's tell you the code so that you can come in when you want to. He says, I won't share you. I won't share you. And I don't know who needs to hear my voice this morning. This is no longer my voice, but this is the voice of the lover of your soul. God is done sharing you. He's done sharing you. He's saying we can bring an end to that idolatry this moment. I want you to worship me in spirit. I want this relationship to be true. I'm done sharing you. I'm done having you only for a minute. I'm done only having you when you have troubles. I'm done having you only when you're under pressure. I just, can't you get it? I want you. I just want you. This, this trouble-based relationship 
I want you. I want you. We are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. John chapter 4 verse 23 and verse 24. But the hour comes and is now. The time is coming and the time is now. When the true worshipers shall worship the father. They will do it in spirit. That spirit there, if you notice in your Bible, is not in caps. It's not saying in the Holy Spirit. It's saying in your own spirit. Your own spirit will have been circumcised enough to be able to see him for who he truly is. Your whole life is sold out to him. And in truth, he says these are the ones the father is seeking. These are the ones the father is interested in. How come the father is interested in this verse 24? Because he himself is spirit. Can you see that, that that's another spirit? In caps. And they that worship him must worship him in what? Can you see the mingling there? Can you see the mingling there? It wants a union between his spirit and your spirit. And it's a one-chair relationship. We can't put two there. We can't put two things there. We can't put two persons there. He wants you and he wants all of you. We have a generation of people who have created multiple other gods. And they've convinced themselves, if I can find a way to connect it to God's glory, then God will be happy with it. God is saying, there is no idolatry that results in my glory. It's either you have me or you don't have me. You can bow to other things and come testify on Sunday. You know how the testimony came? You don't dash me that glory. It's not mine. I don't want it. Thanking me for promotion, but you know what you did? Thanking me for increase, but you know what you did? I think my mic is getting too loud now. Thanking me for that new relationship, but you know how you, how you, how you, boy, oh boy. Let's just move on. Says it's time for my children to worship God, to worship me, and to worship me alone. We must bring, I, I wrote some things down here. You worship self, and you call it independence. You worship addictions, you call it adventure. You worship a flag, you call it patriotism. You worship man, you call it loyalty. You worship opinions, you call it philosophy. You worship evidence, you call it science. Idolatry must come to an end. We are the circumcision. So, the knife touches there. And the knife goes to the next place. We rejoice in Christ Jesus. Can you just think about your life? What has brought you the greatest excitement? Just think for a minute. When did you shout your loudest the most? I think I've told you guys one of mine. I've shared it publicly. And it's from the old me. Amen. Amen. Glory. So don't judge me. You guys are looking at me like this. Is not even as born again as we thought. Please. <laughs> Please don't judge me. That was, the old, that was the old me, right? And it's been a long time now. Because glory, I'm not bragging. But we've done it again. Amen? Amen. And I'm talking about Chelsea. We've won the Champions League again. But if very, And when we won it this time, when we won it this time, my wife came and said, did you guys win? I'm like, yes! Glory to God! Do you know I said yes? She didn't notice from my shout. So I had grown and matured. But the last time we won it, boy, oh boy. Ran out as DJ. Oh boy, see me calling and see me knows me. They did, Chelsea didn't send, send me any gifts. Nothing to even say thank you for your prayers. Or for your intercession? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
As that ball kick went into the next, I don't shout there, we. I said, we. We have won. I'm sure the Chelsea boys were like, we? You don't even, they even check. Did, did he even buy Chelsea shares? Does he even have official jersey? Or is he mass pro for Montreal like that? <laughs> oh, my. And I ran out. I shouted, we have won. We have won. We have won. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a huge lifelessness continental today. That if you take away their God's spots, many will run into depression. The reason why some governments fast-tracked vaccines to get people out is because there is one pandemic that is better than another pandemic. People were losing their mind. Losing, not literally going out. No sports to watch. No football to watch. My question is, what has brought you the greatest joy in your life? What makes you really happy? Is it food? What, what has brought... <laughs> All right. Someone is saying, PDI, watch it the time anyways. Your time is almost up anyways. So just, just round up this sermon. But it's a question I want you to ask yourself. What has brought me the greatest joy? What shows bring you the greatest fulfillment? What songs fill your heart with rapture? You know, rapture is... It, it doesn't just mean um, rapture. The English of it is an indescribable feeling. That accompanies being cut away. What gives your heart rapture? It says, if this knife has touched, that rejoicing will be in Christ Jesus. Can I show you another dimension to that verse? That word actually means to boast, to brag. That your only brag is in Christ Jesus. So let's go back to what the psalmist was saying in Psalms chapter 44, verse 8. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. It says, in God, we boast all day long. You will lose, see, when this is your life, you will lose followers. You will lose friends. If, if today you start posting dogs, you get new followers. You start posting cats. Strangers, oh, it's so cute. What's the name? She's so cute. The Jesus you've been posting for six months, they've been swiping, swiping fast, fast. And if really your definition of influence is how many people validate you, you will go back to what they want. You go back to what they want, and you have consultants telling you that. Post something funny, then put your Jesus at page two. In God, we boast all day long. In God, we boast all day long. In God, we are the circumcision. We worship God in spirit. We rejoice in Christ Jesus. And we have no confidence in the flesh. I think this is the biggest part for many people. We want control. We want control. We want confidence in something tangible, something relatable, something you can touch. Something you can touch. The day the bills have a way to be paid, we know because your worship is the loudest. The day something, something, something just tweaked somewhere, we know. Because the volume comes down. Some will say, Jesus, if you don't do it, 
you won't see him in church for the next two months. If PD should call me, I will block him. If my cell pastor should, should check on me, I will block them, all of them together. If you tell me five, 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 five what? I catch you and, and five, five a.m. You won't see me there. But if you want to see me there, you do this first. Hmm. Luke chapter 12, let's begin to round up this morning. Luke chapter 12, let's read from verse 16 to verse 21. No confidence in the flesh. The flesh is a very powerful thing and speaks the language of I. To power the eye of the flesh requires a lot of illogicalities, but the flesh will never allow you to see it. You will never see that the basis for your confidence really doesn't make sense. And so, therefore, it will not make sense for you to have confidence in the flesh. But the flesh has a way of painting and covering everything that you give you. I'm not even talking of spiritual revelation now. I'm talking of common sense. Everything that you bring common sense and say, you can't bank your life on this thing. Oh, thou great investor. The stock market has crashed before. But it doesn't allow us to see logic. It says we're in a bubble now. We're in a bubble now. It's crypto. It's crypto. We are in a bubble now. We know what is going on now. We know it now. And if it will not allow you to see that this is your confidence, people have had confidence on it before, and it led them somewhere. The, the flesh is not logical. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plenty. Can, can you see this? Can, can we just stay there, please? What brought forth? The ground. Did the rich man make the ground? Can you see that self is not logical? I am the best, man. There's nobody as handsome as me. There's nobody as beautiful as me. There's nobody as intelligent as me. And you forget. <laughs> you forget that you didn't make yourself. You didn't make yourself. This shape, I, 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 I got myself into this shape. I went keto for six weeks. I didn't touch sugar. I didn't. I, I, I. And you forget. You forget. The language of self makes us not to see sense. And just to see self. It says the ground of this man brought forth. And I'm wondering, did this man bring ground with him from heaven? Was it the only one that planted in that season? Somehow your ground brought forth plentifully. Somehow you are the choice worker in that department. Somehow you are the most beautiful in the world. Shouldn't you ask yourself, why me? Why did grace choose me? It can't be for me to be a fool. Why am I blessed? Why am I walking in prosperity? I have no debts, sincerely. I made bids. Others made bids. My offer was accepted. To God be the glory. God, why is your favor resting on me? I know I pray at 5 a.m., but there has to be purpose to this. Flesh never asks that question. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. He didn't say, verse 17, he didn't say anything, but he thought within himself. Do you know, this is the difference between outright pride and covert pride. Guess what? The both of them are what? 
whether you say it outside on CNN, you say it on Sky, you say it on Fox, or you think it within yourself. It says, what will I do now? Now that I am blown, nobody's my mate. PD can look me in the eye again. He parked a Toyota, I parked a Tesla. PD has to greet me specially now. Now, now, now. He says, I don't even have room to put this harvest. It's too much. Where do I put it? And he said, this is what I will do. I will pull down my barns. I will build greater. I don't know if you're counting. I've counted how many eyes so far. And there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat drink and be merry but god said to him thou fool this night your soul shall be required you know i love that word required required it means it's not even your own it, you know when you're writing exam and they say pen pens up you will submit he said then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided verse 21 so is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That means there was no purpose to the life. You bought the lies of the flesh. It's called the deceitfulness of riches. Confidence in the flesh. I am all that. I'm well, I'm well read. I have a million degrees. Nobody can touch me. My routine is pristine. I wake up at four. I exercise. I start with, with mineral water. By five, I join prayer. Amen. Amen. And after that, you know, I go to the gym to exercise for my muscles. Then around 7 a.m., I'm hosting meetings in this part of the world, hosting meetings in that part of the world. And, you know, I'm just all that. I've, I've, I've built a system in place. It is infallible. I've, I've, I've checked it. It's, it survives both the bullish and the bear markets. I've diversified. I'm not just in real estate. I have investments everywhere. I'm sorted for a generation. If and when and how God needs me, let me know. I don't need him. He needs me. PD, you, I thought you said God is giving you a TV ministry. You need someone to sponsor that. When will you come and ask me? When will you come and ask me? I'm just waiting. I have your check ready. When will you come and ask me? Very soon, your soul will be required. And God will raise 10 people that will pay for the TV ministry. 10, 10, 10. They will not even be interested in only Canada. They will say, can we go outside, outside the shore? Glory to God. So Satan erects his own 90 feet image. He can only do one at a time. God is saying, I'm raising a generation. They will bear my glory, true gold. And they will stand tall, more than 90 feet. And they won't need anyone to bow, but they will lead people to bow to me. They will point people, they will point nations in their offices, in their businesses, not only on Sundays, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because we are the circumcision. We worship God in the spirit. 
we boast, we brag in Christ Jesus and we have no confidence in the flesh. Rise up on your feet and let us pray. Let's take a minute and say, Father, thank you for your word this month. I believe strongly we are people loved by God. Keep sending us his word to remind us, to shift us essentially. Say you won't just stand out, it's time to stand tall. I'm giving you a voice. I understand you're an introvert, but I've given you a voice. For some, your voice will be a pen you can write. For some, the voice will be an influence that you have. Not all of us will stand with a microphone, but every one of us has been given a voice. We are the circumcision. We worship God in spirit. We make our boast in Christ Jesus. Without him, we are nothing. Without his spirit, we are empty. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. We realize our dependence, our needs to stay connected. But the voice of the flesh says, no. Look at how beautiful you are. You are so green. You are bearing flowers. But we forget it's because we are connected to a source. And he says, you don't need that source. Not giving the full story. That when you disconnect, the next is to wither. The next is to dry up. The next is to become irrelevant. And the world will move on fast. Like you never showed up. Not us. Not us. Not us. And I surrender all to you. And everything I give to you. I surrender. And I surrender the role to you and everything I give to you. I'm not keeping anything back. Withholding nothing. No more idols. I'm not keeping anything back. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. With all the nothing, come on, are there Jews in the room this morning? Those who are circumcised, let's make it our pledge. I surrender, I surrender all to you. Everything I've kept, just in case, I'm giving it all. Everything. The things I've held very dearly to. The ones I begged, I said, God, no, Lord. Not this one. No, Lord. Not this one. This moment, I received the grace to give it away. With all the nothing. With all the nothing. I give it all to you. I give it all to you. With all the nothing. I want to give you 60 seconds. You know that thing you've held so dearly to. The one you begged him, said, Father, don't come after this one. You know how dear this is to my heart. And he's saying, I want to be the only one dear to you. I want to be more dear to you than the opinions of men. I want to be more dear to you than the pressures of society. I want to be more dear and more, more, more to you than the, than the classification systems of men. 
it's slavery it's idolatry i would have you there you're special to me and i say father i receive the grace to let go i receive the grace to let go i've not been able to boast about christ jesus my friends must not know i am born again i'm not allowed anybody to know people on my social media can't even guess i receive the grace to give you i give you all i give you all i give it's not my power it's not my strength but by the grace i let it go i let it go i give you all i let it go i give you all i let it go everything no more idols 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 The king of kings wants to be king over your life. And the way he runs his kingdom is not to make you a subject, but he makes you a king. The kings of this earth, Jesus speaking, he says, don't be like them. They lord it over. It's all slavery. It's all slavery. Don't buy it. It's all slavery. It's a trap. It's a trap. Only the blessings of the Lord make rich and add no sorrow. The devil never gives you the full package. It will sign, yes. But it will tell you some, some attachments did not, did, not, did not attach. It will always come asking for more. Don't do it. I don't know who needs to hear this. Don't sign that contract with the devil. Don't get into that arrangement. You know the end of the spirit is not on it. He's saying, wait for me. My time is beautiful. When I come as king, I make you a king. When I come as king, I make you a king. And I want us to pray a prayer of submission this morning. If they can put it on our screen, Revelation chapter 11 verse 15. Revelation chapter 11 verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded and there were great voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. This is prophetic of a time but your life. Remember Jesus said the hour is coming and it's come. He's giving you insights to prophecy. That prophecy is about a time, but you can make that time today. And today you can say, Father, it's your kingdom here. In this family, it's your kingdom. In this marriage, it's your kingdom. In this relationship, it's, it's your kingdom. In this business, it's your kingdom. We know how people get clients. We know how people close deals. We know how people get access. We know how they open doors. But in this place, it's your kingdom. It's your kingdom. It's your kingdom. Somebody needs to take 60 seconds and settle this moment and say, Reign, Jesus, reign. Reign, Jesus, reign. Only you, no more idols. Reign, Jesus, reign. In this life, in this family, we will no longer subscribe to the way of the world. We will no longer do it in the pattern of men. We will subscribe to your way. Your way is the best. Your time is the best. Your way is the best. Your time is the best. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We give you all. We give you all. We give you all. And I will run forever. I will run unto you, oh God. Now you have my heart. 
And I will, I will run forever. I will run unto you, oh God. Where else can I go? I will run, I will run, I will run. I see you standing there for me. Your arms are open wide. And I don't have to run no more. I'm running back to you. I don't know who needs to make that decision this morning. I want to pray with you. You've gone far. Like the prodigal son, you've gone far. This time, you didn't leave home physically. But you know you've left you didn't buy a ticket, but you know you traveled far. Like Jonah, you didn't board another ship, but you know you've said no to what he has called you to. I want to pray with you this morning before I leave the stage. I sense there are many who have run far, run away, but they are physically present. But they've run far. They've run far. They've run far. His mercy is in the room. His grace is in the room. He's saying, come on, my son. Come on, my daughter. It begins with saying yes to Jesus. It continues as continuing in his lordship. That he alone calls the shots. Please say with me, Lord Jesus. I believe you are the son of God. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for taking my place in the grave. I believe you rose again on the third day. I ask that you live in me that you live in me that you live through me and I receive the grace by your spirit to live for you thank you for the gift of salvation for in Jesus name we have prayed father thank you for these sons and daughters of yours who have made this decision and for as many others you've asked me specifically to pray for who are physically present but they've run far they've traveled far they've bought tickets They've gone to a far place, far from your purpose, far from your call. As many who have, who they don't just, cannot just make a boast in Jesus, but they feel a bit of shame identifying with Christ. And they are saying those days must come to an end. I want to brag about Jesus. I want to shout it on the rooftops. I want to tell everyone who will care to listen that he saved me. I know where I used to be, he saved me. I know what I was deserving of, he saved me. And he gave me a brand new life. Give me a new bill at life. I ask, Father, that your grace will rest upon your children to stand tall for you. In a dark world, to stand tall for you. In a noisy world, to stand tall for you. In an idolatrous generation, to stand tall for you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, gracious Father, because it is done. For in Jesus' name we are prayed. Come on, if you can, jam those hands together. Give the Lord a big shout! Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at K-I-C-C-Canada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. 
God is doing amazing things in our midst, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you're a champion. God bless you.